1: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm
3: down. Just buying a car in Carvana first.
0: Ooh, for real?
3: Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions.
0: Ooh, that's helpful.
3: And now just customizing my down and monthly payments.
0: Ooh, that's a very fair deal.
3: Yep. Boom, just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh,
2: I'm
4: kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people Donald Trump may not do the next debate, and finally, well, you'll see. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Awesome, awesome debate night. I loved it. Now, I understand. I've heard. I've heard two different things consistently from all of you for the last twenty four hours. Well, twenty four hours. Yeah, 24 hours or so. I don't I went to community college. Half of you missed the Trump debates. You missed the fireworks and the flare and the anger and the 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 bluster and the other half of you thought that was masterful. Well, let's let's clear something up here. One, that VP debate probably was watched by more people than than normally watch a VP debate because as I told you last night, we're not stupid. Democrats and Republicans, we can see the condition of Joe Biden. Kamala Harris, if Joe Biden wins, is going to be president of the United States within the next four years. If Joe Biden wins, everybody knows it. So more people are watching. And you know, everybody's bored right now. You're dying for some something interesting politically. So why not tune into the debate? So I'm sure the debate did very well. Mike Pence just destroyed her. He just absolutely destroyed her. And there are a couple reasons for that. One, Mike Pence is a lot slicker than you think. A lot smarter than you think. This dude has been governor of Indiana. He's not some, you know, they act like he's just been Donald Trump's lackey for four years. Mike Pence was a big shot in the U.S. House of Representatives. I believe he was the number three man in the U.S. House of Representatives. And that's back when I met him. That's before he moved on to be governor of a state, which is a big deal. Mike Pence is big. He's big. <clears throat> Also, Mike Pence was prepared, really, really, really prepared. And he has the right demeanor to debate somebody like Kamala Harris, who's always going to go for that I am woman, hear me roar stuff. And Pence is completely unbothered by any of that. He's completely unbothered by any of that. So all that helped. I mean, Pence is, like I said, big shot, knows what he's doing, well prepared. So that's a big part of it. Another big part of it is... I don't have another way to put this. Kamala Harris lives in a bubble and it killed her last night. It absolutely killed her last night. And this is what I mean. She's a senator from California. Okay. She's a female senator from California. She's surrounded by female staffers. She's surrounded by Hollywood liberals. She's surrounded by a DC media. And all those things have the same thing in common. They all think feminism is the new thing and appealing, and everybody wants to see it. But here's something that's absolutely true. And I don't care if you consider yourself a feminist. You need to hear this, all right? Nobody likes a feminist. Nobody. Even other feminists hate feminists. It's unappealing. Nobody likes bitterness. Nobody. Nobody. It's completely unappealing. I mean, you can be, as you've seen from people like Governor Nome and others, you can be a strong woman in politics, obviously. Feminism, uh, don't mansplain to me, nobody finds that appealing except for this tiny, tiny little bubble, and Kamala Harris is trapped in the middle of it. And she's so painfully rehearsed with everything too, doing the hand up thing, excuse me, it all looked like her and all her little mean girl staffers got together backstage and they all came up with this. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll move our head and hold our hand up and that'll show him and everyone will love it. And they're like, yeah, that'll, love, that'll be awesome. And I talked to, gosh, 20 or 30 people last night throughout the debate. You know, I always try to get in touch with non-political people who are watching anyway. And to a man and to a woman, they all thought, she's coming off terribly. This looks awful. She didn't come off as strong. She came off as the person everybody hates, the catty mean girl in high school who talks down to everybody else. That's how she came off. And that is the danger when you're a Democrat. It is a huge danger, the one big danger for Democrats. I've told you this endlessly. Democrats, it's a huge advantage to have all the control of the culture, which they do. We don't have to belabor that point today, but they do. I mean, you know... They have the whole education system. They have the entire federal bureaucracy. They have the media, obviously. They have Hollywood. They have music. They now even have sports. They have the corporate world. Now, that's all good. You'd rather be in their position than ours, certainly. But there is one big danger with that. You never, ever, 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 ever have to leave your bubble. No matter what Kamala Harris does, she turns on a sitcom at night and she, oh, nice, feminists, nice. See, people love that. She watches a movie. Ooh, look, even in the new Avengers movie, a big feminist movement. See, everybody loves it. And the media tells her they love it. And everybody loves it. But that's the bubble. Outside of that, there's nothing less appealing than feminism. Nothing. Nobody finds it appealing at all. Even people who are in it hate it and hate themselves and hate other ones in it. And Kamala Harris... She got trapped in it and came off looking awful last night, looked discombobulated and terrible. And I'm about to play you the clip. You know what clip I'm talking about? Not answering the question about packing the Supreme Court. Joe Biden flatly refused to answer it at the last debate. Mike Pence went after her last night. And I mean, after her trying to pin her down. Here it is.
3: When you speak about the Supreme Court, though, I think the American people really deserve an answer, Senator Harris. Are you and Joe Biden going to pack the court if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed? I mean, there have been 29 vacancies on the Supreme Court during presidential election years, from George Washington to Barack Obama. Presidents have nominated in all 29 cases. But your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court, which has had nine seats for 150 years, If you don't get your way, this is a classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you're going to change the rules. Now, you've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed at the Supreme Court of the United States. Are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way?
4: And she wouldn't answer. And then he asked it again and she did some stupid race car thing, it would not answer the question. And it was so painfully obvious she wouldn't answer the question. And I actually think Democrats are making a huge mistake here. Here's the situation Democrats are in. I understand the situation they're in. If they say, no, I'm not going to pack the Supreme Court, which they really should, that'll be more appealing to moderates, to middle America, who they don't, they don't want some Supreme Court packing thing. That, that, that is probably the smarter electoral play for them to say, no, we won't do that. We're going to keep things normal. However, their base, if they say they're not going to pack the court, their radical leftist base will lose their freaking minds. They've spent four years ramping up their base and convincing them Donald Trump is the end of America itself. They don't now have the power to turn to that base and say, well, we're not going to do anything to stop it. That's how their base would take it. So they're in quite a pickle. I do think this is going to be a big deal going forward, though, because now Trump and Pence have exposed it. Now people can see, oh, oh, this is a weakness, and it makes them look really, really bad, really, really bad. And speaking of four years of bad behavior, I thought this exchange was interesting.
3: When you talk about accepting the outcome of the election, um, I I must tell you, uh, Senator, your party has spent the last three and a half years trying to overturn the results of the last election. It's amazing. When Joe Biden was vice president of the United States the FBI actually spied on President Trump and my campaign. I mean, there were documents released this week that the CIA actually made a referral uh, to the FBI documenting that those allegations were coming from the Hillary Clinton campaign. And, of course, we've all seen the avalanche, what what you put the country through for for the better part of, of three years until it was found that there was no obstruction, no collusion, case closed, and then Senator Harris, you and your colleagues in the in the Congress uh, tried to impeach the President of the United States over a phone call.
4: That's true. You know, that's the reason the media keeps asking this question of Trump and Pence and everybody: Are you going to accept the results? Are you going to accept the results? Because they know we now have four years of Democrats not accepting the results. We had the Mueller investigation, which turned out to be a total scam. Then we had impeachment over a phone call. Uh, Nothing. These people, for some reason, simply cannot accept when they lose. And so what are they going to do? Well, you're not going to accept when you lose. Uh, Republicans have not had this problem. This is a Democrat problem. This is like when Democrats accuse Republicans of political violence. Um, We have four years now of endless documented cases of leftists attacking Republicans specifically because they're Republicans for political reasons. I mean, the laundry list of them. And Democrats will say, Republicans are violent. Whatever they're accusing you of, that's what they're doing. And this China thing is a big deal too. They brought up China last night. I think the American people don't necessarily care that much about foreign policy. Again, I'm not judging us for that. You care about what's close to you. But I do think the American people are as sour on China as they've ever been, and boy, that does make Trump and Pence look awfully good because they've been taking on China since they got in. Meanwhile, Joe Biden never did.
3: Lost the trade war with China. Joe Biden never fought it. Joe Biden has been a cheerleader for communist China through over the last several decades. And, and again, uh, Senator Harris, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. When Joe Biden was vice president, we lost 200,000 manufacturing jobs. And President Obama said they were never coming back. He said we needed a magic wand to bring them back. In our first three years after we cut taxes, back regulation, unleashed American energy, this administration saw 500,000 manufacturing you, jobs France. created. And that's exactly the kind of growth we're going to continue to see as we bring our nation through Thank you, this president pandemic. France.
4: Hard for Kamala Harris to answer that question. Look, I'm not even pinning this just on Democrats. You go back to George Bush and before Republicans, nobody, Republicans, Democrats, nobody has taken on China in a real way. Donald Trump's the only one to do it. That is unavoidable. Whether you love him or hate him, that is a fact. China is our enemy. We were funding our enemy. Donald Trump is the only one to address that situation. The only one. That's a big deal. That's a credit to him. Even if he loses this election, I will always remember it, that he had the guts to do that. I think it's impressive. And again, back to what I was talking about, Kamala, with the, with the feminist thing, with the rehearsed thing, it didn't come off well. Here it was. Senator
1: Harris?
0: Well, I mean, I we saw enough of it in last week's debate, but I think this is supposed to be a debate based on fact and truth. And the truth and the fact is, Joe Biden has been very clear he will not raise taxes on anybody who makes less than $400,000 he said a year. He he's going to
3: repeal the Trump tax cuts. Uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, wait, wait.
0: I'm speaking. It
3: would be important if you said the truth. Joe Biden said <laughs> twice in the debate last week that he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. That was tax cuts that gave the average working family Two thousand dollars in a tax break every single year, that is, Senator.
0: That is absolutely that's the math. not true. That is Is he only bill. cutting? Is
3: he only going to repeal part of the Trump tax cuts?
0: If you don't mind letting me finish, we can Please. then have a conversation. Okay.
3: Please. Okay.
4: That mm. was uncomfortable. That was awesome. See, I had a blast. I hope you had a blast. You're, remember, these things are supposed to be fun. As I told you, they're supposed to be fun. But. The truth is, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are going to raise taxes. There's no way around it. Here.
0: On the issue of the economy, I think there couldn't be a more fundamental difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden believes you measure the health and the strength of America's economy based on the health and the strength of the American worker and the American family. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump who measures the strength of the economy based on how rich people are doing, which is why he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations of America, leading to a $2 trillion deficit that the American people are going to have to pay for. On day one, Joe Biden will repeal that tax bill. He'll get rid of it. And what he'll do with the money is invest it in the American people. And through a plan that is about investing in infrastructure, something that Donald Trump said he would do. I remember hearing about some infrastructure week. I don't think it ever happened. But Joe Biden will do that.
4: Mm. It's all out there. They're telling you what they're going to do. I thought it was awesome. I wish they'd have another one. But nevertheless, the fireworks must continue next week back to the presidential debates. Maybe. Maybe. I'll tell you what I mean in a minute. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you must practice. You must practice with your weapon. Believe me when I tell you this, I have been there. When the rounds start coming downrange, when you are in a situation where you are scared, you will need to have practiced. You're not going to figure it out in that moment. Now, I realize ammo is expensive. Gun range fees can get real expensive real fast. Just go get an iTarget. The caliber of your choice is available. Go buy one. They'll send you a laser bullet. You load it into your weapon and you practice in the comfort of your home. Go to iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Don't forget to use the promo code JESSE. That saves you 10%. We'll be back. The media, you know, you know, the easiest way to tell who wins the debates is watching how the media criticizes the Republican after. No matter what, they're going to praise the Democrat and they're going to criticize the Republican. We know that. That's not exactly news. But what is the criticism? Well, it was awful last night. It was, it was. The media was actually more embarrassing than Kamala herself. I mean, I'm going to go down things from Wallace, Martha Raditz. Rachel Maddow, and they just lined up and embarrassed themselves last night. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I understand I'm an insensitive jerk. I I get that. I'm not telling you to be an insensitive jerk. You keep that good heart. I don't have one, so I don't have to worry about it. But I'm going to give you young ladies some advice. I understand that this is going to be unpopular. It's going to hurt, but you need to hear this. If you think you're going to wind your way to success in the business world, you are not. You're going to make it the same way men make it. Keep your head down, grind, be better than the next guy, show up on time, don't leave early, don't whine, march forward. That is the key to success for men and women. If at any point, I don't care how many of your girlfriends do it, if at any point you find yourself saying, I bet, I bet it's because I'm a woman, I'm going to say something, don't don't do it. That is a drug that will kill your career one day. Keep your head down and grind. Do the right thing. Do it better than anybody else, and you're going to make it. Whichever one of your girlfriends are chirping in your ear, it's because you're a woman. You should complain. They are trying to torpedo you, even if they don't know it. You just be better than everybody else. Be better than everybody else. We're going to have Carol Roth on the show later on, former investment banker, that lady's the smartest person in finance i know you've never heard her whine about anything grind be better be smarter that's how you do it the way carol roth did just had to have that out there all right here was chris wallace last night
0: i think going into tonight the the biden campaign had one concern and it wasn't whether or not kamala harris was going to be sufficiently likable it was whether or not people would be able at the end of the night to envision her being a heartbeat away from the presidency would she in terms of her knowledge, uh, her command of the facts, her policy, would she seem presidential? And I don't think she did anything tonight at all to disqualify herself in that sense. So if they came into the night leading, I think that they left the night the Biden campaign did with a lead.
4: Okay, first of all, let's just address the elephant in the room here. Chris Wallace needs to find whoever sold him those glasses and sue that person. I don't, or maybe even have them arrested because that was a crime against humanity. Whoever sold him those glasses really did him a disservice. That's one. Two, when you have to address in your first sentence, well, I mean, look, she didn't really have to be likable. None of the rest of it mattered. Chris Wallace, even Chris Wallace could see she's really unappealing. And don't get too deep in the weeds with politics. I do this too. You know, we make this mistake because we're political people. It's about taxes and spending and the Supreme Court and foreign policy and China and all these things. It's what we do. It's always a popularity contest. Always. That's all it is. This is the prom king and queen. That's all it is. You don't get elected if you are less likable than the other guy. You simply do not. It's why Hillary Clinton has lost every important race she's ever been in. On paper, it should have all worked out, right? Former First Lady, Sen- Senator, La- uh, you know, huge resume. She's got it in the bag. Except Hillary Clinton is just the least charismatic person on the face of the planet. So she never got elected. It's true. Well, never got elected to president. It's true. Martha Raditz. <laughs> Here's Martha Raditz last night. When
0: I hear people say talk about mansplaining and talk about these things with Kamala Harris and a man shouldn't interrupt her and it's going to look bad. Kamala Harris is a vice presidential candidate. She should be able to stand up for herself. Yes, it's history making. Yes, uh, you can talk about her history and who she is and she's a woman of color there. But a man can interrupt another vice presidential candidate. It is up to that candidate to talk back, to interrupt themselves or or to hold on to that debate in any way they could.
4: Did you ever think you'd see the day where Martha Raddatz is out there scolding Kamala? Eh, dial down on the don't interrupt me because I'm a woman thing. Martha Raddatz. Martha Raddatz cried the night Hillary Clinton lost on camera. Martha Raddatz is out there telling Kamala, eek, no, no, you you just gotta buck up, buttercup. Rachel Maddow had this to say,
1: It was like a visit to normal politics land, which is fine and to be expected when it comes to Senator Harris, who has been a mainstream Democratic politician essentially her whole life, even though she's had an interesting sort of rise to the place that she's in right now in the party. But Mike Pence was visiting from another world in which the Donald Trump presidency is a normal Republican presidency, and he was defending it on normal Republican terms, um, which sort of, I think, would have made for potentially a consequential debate if Pence was describing a presidency that existed. Maybe that's the way it exists in his own mind, but it's not the presidency that we've all lived through.
4: That we've all lived through. Uh, That's that's the craziest thing about this. I understand, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Donald Trump's like every other president. Clearly, this is a different guy. He's for some people. He's not for others. It's fine. What has really been different? There have been big foreign policy changes. We've had some tax cuts. He's he's cut some regulations. There hasn't been some gigantic piece of legislation. There hasn't been anything different except for a four-year media meltdown screaming about how different it is. The presidency itself has been fine. It's been fine. It's not been some major war. Not been some major piece of like I said legislation. That it's been fine this ah it's never been like this before this exists in your mind calm down this this hysteria has to stop calm down mad al all of you it's it's gonna be fine i promise all right now here's what might not be fine your home title you see you don't think about it i mean i'll be honest until it happened to me i didn't know what home title theft was I didn't realize that my home title, it's not a piece of paper anymore. It's not sitting in a bank. It's digital now. It exists online. They hack it. They forge your signature on it. They did it. I mean, you should see mine. It looked identical to mine. They then go get a loan out against it. You have to pay that loan back. A big one. Unless you have home title locked, you can't stop them either. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up now. If you use the code radio, when you get there, you actually get 30 days of free protection. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. We'll be back. Joining me now, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquess and former counterterrorism agent. Gosh, I love calling him that. Drew? Well, I mean, look, I saw an absolute mercy killing last night. Uh, Kamala Harris came off like a snotty, mean girl. I did not think she was likable at all. I thought Pence came off just like your nice grandfather who will very nicely tell you you're a moron. But what did you see?
2: No, I saw the exact same thing. I mean, I, I I know people on the left don't like hearing those comments. She's not likable because that hurts their feelings. They've got feelings that are very easily hurt. But she's not likable. She was no. snooty. She was just. I mean, there, there's really nothing to like about her. And I do. I think Ma, uh, Pence mopped the floor with her. I think that it was it was very much his night, and, and it should have been. And it was expected. Like she 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 changes every other day, depending on who's in the room, what her stance is on issues. You know, she's kind of taken a, a different route, shall we say, as she's climbed in her career. Pence is is a stud. Like he's he. This is the type of stuff that he does so well. He's so calm and collected. So uh, dominant night by him. I thought that he was he was fantastic.
4: I feel like leftists have they're so deep in the bubble they don't realize how unappealing feminism is and i'm actually not even doing my normal thing where i just mock feminists just to ha- see their heads explode it is unappealing in every way nobody likes being around bitterness even other feminists hate feminism they, they just do it's yeah. unappealing and yet kamala harris lives in the hollywood bubble the dc media bubble her mean girls staff and i'm sure she thought like oh i'm really gonna nail him when i try to hold my hand up and do the head moving thing Everybody else cringed in America. But of course, in her bubble, that probably looks awesome
2: it does it does and you said i don't know if you saw but i mean on msnbc they they jumped into her bubble too and were so mad at pence for interrupting not not just a person but a woman you can't interrupt a woman because we've got so much other stuff that we're dealing with and so many things that we got to push back against and uh, uh, the, the the looks that she made that i'm talking like yeah who cares this is a debate there's back and forth this is kind of how this has always been since like the beginning of our country but but yeah, the, the the smugness and just how she came off—I I thought it was. If there's people who didn't see that, like I don't—I don't know what you were watching. You're, you're doing it wrong. Uh, she's not the right person to be a VP in the White House. Pence dominated.
4: Walk me through the thinking process of Biden picking her. And I, I mean, obviously he can't undo that now. Look, there's a chance this woman's going to be president of the United States in the short term, but. I don't understand. I've never understood the thought process, Drew. He didn't need her for California. He didn't need her for the black vote. Biden's killing in the black vote anyway. What name one thing she brings. What does she bring? I don't know.
2: I I really don't either. And it it makes you wonder. And I'm not saying there's some conspiracy theory out there, although it probably is. But like, It makes you wonder if there's something going on behind the scenes because she did. I, I thought that she would do great in the primary. She didn't. She was awful as you said, that you don't need California. And she's just not likable. Like, you know, these guys across, forget Biden and who, who they're choosing. They should have gone with Tulsi in the first place. Then it would have been an interesting race. And we get to see that white suit more. But, like, this this pick here makes no sense. Like, it, it literally doesn't. She brings nothing to the table. She's not likable. Her career is not as long as some of the other people. And and her career, when you start to look at it, you can poke tons of holes in it. So I, I don't get it. And, as everyone keeps saying and, and highlighting, which I'm glad they are, she was the most radical senator in 2019. She's voted against very common sense, logical things that are good for Americans so I don't, I, I don't know. It, it makes you think that there has to be some other conversations going on at the DNC level that we're not privy to, because on, on the surface it makes zero sense.
4: Drew, as best you can, because I don't think anybody knows. What's your theory on the Biden Obama relationship? I found that whole thing to be so odd. I mean, I understand they're never going to be best buddies, but Biden was his VP for eight years. Barack Obama would have risked absolutely zero political capital endorsing Biden. It's anticipated that you would endorse Biden. Nobody would have even been offended by that. Of course, he was your VP. Of course, Barack. But he didn't even do that. He didn't do it until everyone else was gone. And even now, he hardly speaks up for him. Is there some rift there that I was unaware of? Or what is it? I don't know
2: if it's a rift or if it's just I've seen firsthand up close and personal how incapable this person is and, and not picking on his cognitive stuff back then because obviously that decline has happened more recently. But you've seen, you've worked in close proximity to this person for eight years and at the, the time, the campaign running up to it. So you know who they are. You know how they think. You know what they say. And then you look at what Joe Biden has not done over 47 years. You look what he's not done and and the weakness that came out of him while, while they were in the White House and from out of both of them, frankly. But like, you you hear these 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 murmurs and these whispers in the background saying that he doesn't really have much confidence in him. And then to your point there, I think that you see that come out. So again, I don't know if it's a rift, but I think it's definitely, I don't think you're the guy. I don't think that you're that great. You know, the, what it takes to be the VP is very different than to be the president and the type of character and what you put out there forward facing. And I think that Biden knows, and he's he's said lots of things about that, how, how Joe's not going to perform or he's going to screw it up or whatever he said in the background. But there's that that theme that you hear and then not having him endorse him till the very end was, okay. I don't like this. I don't want to attach my name to you, but I hate Trump so much that I'll do it in the final hour if maybe we can just get through and see what happens. It's better than Trump. I think that's the mindset that he has when it comes to Biden.
4: Drew, do the American people care about foreign policy? And, And this is the reason I asked the question. Honestly, Democrat, Republican, I don't care who you are. Donald Trump's foreign policy Ws are extensive. And now he's announced that, you know, pulling troops back out of Afghanistan completely by Christmas. And that's before the peace deals and everything. I mean, his foreign policy has been stunningly good, I, stunningly good. But I don't know if that's a notch on the belt. I just don't know that the American people actually care that much about it. I don't even know that they care that much about ISIS and Baghdadi. They're happy about it. I mean, they're certainly thrilled he's dead. I don't know that they, they think that's a big win for Trump. No,
2: I, I. Sadly, I think you're right. He and he has been. I mean, he has aced the foreign policy thing. I mean, Abe even beyond, before these deals happened with you know Bahrain and and Israel and UAE and Israel, and before he did what he did with North Korea, before he did what you know with the Iran deal, the troops. Now he's done so much over there. That's been amazing. But before he even did that. Just the respect, the, the returning America to power and prominence, like, hey, there's a line, you cross it, there's consequences. For the rest of you, play nice and we're here to help. And we're, but, but, you know, Obama got pushed over for so many years... That changed when Trump got in office. So he excelled even before these deals happened because people recognize, okay, I'm not I'm not screwing with that guy. I'm not screwing with America because they mean business right now. So he's nailed it, but Americans don't care. I mean, and I've seen that. We've we've been involved in different organizations and companies. I've tried to talk a lot when I was first getting into digital media and making that normal transition from spy to media that you, you, you try and, and try and lean on your, your expertise, but no one wants to talk about how do we stop Iran? How do we do this and that? Because they want to talk about Hillary, they want to talk about Obama, they want to talk about Trump. They want to talk about all these social issues that are out there. Those are the things that get really loud and I think it's trained people to just see that the, the foreign stuff is a distraction when it's not. it's very important.
4: Do you think because of all the coronavirus stuff, do you think China maybe is more in the American mind now, though, than it ever has been before? I mean, I I would argue maybe that's one thing people do actually care about, but maybe not.
2: I don't know, because, you know, the the mainstream pushes so hard that somehow this is Trump's fault. Like, it's Trump's fault that the, the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. Like, they blame him for everything. Mm-hmm. And and it distracts people from the reality. There's people. I think conservatives are paying more attention to China. Like, oh, they've been spying here a lot more, and they're they're starting to hear about it. Oh, the the coronavirus is from there. Like, so you you are, but but I don't think it's getting through to the other side. I think the other side is still holding firm that everything's Trump's fault. We do not like him, and we're not actually paying attention to what's going on in the world or how it works. We're just listening to what the media says and people like Kamala Harris, who like uh, uh, also does not know how the world works or what's going on.
4: Drew Berquist, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me. You know we have some crazy things going on right now. You heard them talking about the markets last night, what's gonna happen, what might happen, stimulus, increase risk. Volatile is putting it mild that's really really putting it mild we have uncertainty out there now i'm not telling you to panic i would never ever tell you to do that i'm not telling you to run and pull all your money out of the market i'm not telling you to do that all i'm saying is get a hold of gold alliance and get a gold ira as part of your portfolio just add that as another tool in your belt there's going to come a day you're going to email me and say jesse Thank you. Go to goldalliance.com slash Jesse, goldalliance.com slash Jesse. They're going to walk you through every step. It's completely easy. The time is now.
3: Believe me, now. We'll be back.
4: Joining me now, host of the Roth Effect podcast and our resident financial genius who explains all these terms and things like that to us. Carol, first of all, the markets. We're talking, we're hearing new things about risk assets and things like that. I don't even know what risk assets are. What are you you people talking about who do all this stuff?
5: So think about if you're going to make an investment, if you put the money historically in the bank into a a savings account, that money is, you consider it very safe, not very risky, it's FDIC insured, you're going to earn a small interest rate on that because you're not being compensated, you're being compensated for not taking the risk. That being said, if you have assets, let's say a company that has a lot of debt, who may be more at risk at going bankrupt, in order to um, spur investment in those companies, you're going to have to pay a high interest rate for that, right? So, they, so that is basically compensating you for risk. That is considered a risky asset. What has happened in our crazy economy here as the Federal Reserve has taken interest rates down to zero and now you as a saver can't go out and go into a money market account or, or find a less risky asset that pays you anything, You to get any sort of return on investment of your money, you are now chasing riskier assets. And that means that those assets that have more risk associated with them uh, are increasing in price and you have to take more risk than you usually would have uh, in a normal scenario in order to get the same return on the money that you're investing, does that help?
4: Okay, is that is that an intended consequence or an unintended consequence of what the Fed is doing? <laughs> Are they doing that so we'll do more or what?
5: So um, you know, it's uh, I would say if there was a way for them to manipulate it without it happening, they're probably uh, they probably would would do that. But that is the known consequence and so they are doing it anyway and what is happening is that we are basically selling out as i think i've said on this program before we're selling out main street to wall street we are propping up companies on wall street including companies called zombies these are companies that have so much debt and earn so little profit that they can't actually even pay for the interest rate on or for the interest on their debt on a yearly basis but because of what the fed is doing they are propping them up that accounts um last estimate i saw about 2.2 million jobs in these zombie companies, that in a normal scenario would, you know, fall off normally, and we wouldn't have, you know, any crazy crash um, where 2.2 million people are out of jobs all at once. They would kind of fall off, um, and it's crowding out investment in new companies and in, in small businesses. So everything that's happening here, from government stimulus to Fed intervention, this is all the big guys, Wall Street, the Fed, the government in cahoots with each other with their cronies making the rich get richer at the expense of small business savers retirees and the average american and you know i I hate to be the one that says it but even though we all keep thinking that we're fighting democratic socialism democratic socialism is here we need to fight to kick it out of our country
4: who are these companies
5: who are the companies are all different kinds of who you know, are
4: these the, who are these zombie companies who, are, who who give me some who are we profit who are these people
5: so I, I don't have a, the list in front of me of, of who has declared bankruptcy and who hasn't but I'll tell you in general if you think about retailers um, you some of these you know middle of the road retailers yeah. who really should have gone out of business a long time ago but we keep buying up their debt you can find the zombies in every industry next time I will be prepared with a list for you of the Names, but you can do a search, Wall Street Journal or whatnot, and and find the names. But as I said, about they account for about 2.2 million jobs in total. Uh, But you know it's it's all the companies. I mean, whether it is an Amazon, which we know is a very valuable company, they wouldn't be nearly as valuable today if you didn't have the stimulus checks going into to people's hands and then them saying, okay, well, I can't go to my local small business because you have shut them down. So where am I going to spend it? Obviously, I'm going to spend it at Amazon. Yeah. So this entire situation that we have been living through, which by the way, you are the first person to call uh, has just been in a huge transfer of wealth from the average Americans, from the backbone of our economy into these big companies. And you see these big companies getting bigger, uh, having more strength, having more power. And in a normal market environment, that's fine. We don't mind them having more power, except for when it's helped by the government. We need to get the government and the enablers out of the way. Otherwise, we're going to all be working for Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook. Those are going to be the only
4: companies that are left here. Uh, Carol, to, to say I'm concerned, and as you, as you pointed out, I, I saw this coming a mile away— To say I'm concerned about our entire financial system would be putting it mildly because I don't see either side, frankly, trying to rein anything in. They each just are trying to decide how much more of this insanity they want to do. And I see a society, a financial system, whose foundations are rotting out from underneath it. Therefore, one thing happens that we can't see coming and the whole daggone thing collapses. But I don't want to be cynical, Jesse, or doomsday, so please tell me if I'm wrong.
5: I would like to tell you that you're wrong. Um, I think that we are setting ourselves up for one of a, you know, a number of different potentially really bad outcomes. Um, you know, it could be you know the, the financial system. You know, we are sort of the reserve currency from the world. The more that the Fed prints out of thin air, the less trust people have in our currency. So, you know, maybe we're not at some point in time and, you know, we end up with major inflation and it destroys the value of the dollar. That's possible. Another possibility is what's going on at the state levels. You know, at some point they're going to continue spending. The the government is going to try to, quote, unquote, bail them out. But when it comes time, when they, when everybody realizes the financials don't work out, and you have to bail out in Illinois or you know some other state, uh, we're going to end up with the nationalization of those municipalities because the Fed's not just going to give them money and uh-huh. bail them out without some sort of strings attached. And you're going to see that in industries. You're going to see that everywhere. We are moving. In completely the wrong direction, away from free markets and capitalism, towards this central planning and control. More consolidated at the federal level than the state level, but at every single level, um, we before COVID we were spending eight trillion dollars between all the different levels of governments. You know, they did three and a half trillion the first COVID uh, relief bill. Now, you know, who knows what they end up <laughs> coming up with? I mean, they're treating this like. You know it's a joke and i i just fundamentally can't believe that you have so many people involved that are all in cahoots um, and nobody's standing up to say okay i understand i'm getting a little benefit over here but look at this giant disaster it's creating and maybe we shouldn't do that
4: i can't believe it either girl i, I i'm i'm stunned because i'm such a history nerd i i just know a thousand years from now i said this yesterday on my show they're gonna look back at america in our fall And they're going to laugh that we just printed dollars unbacked by anything by the trillion and just pumped them into the market. This is going to be a joke for future empires when they look back and study. Let I me, can't let, believe it. And I ask- can't believe more people can't see it. It's, it's not like I'm intelligent. I can see it. How could more people not see it?
5: Let me ask you this, because I was I was actually wondering this the other day. I am not as um, well-versed in history as I am in financial eras, And I was thinking the other day, like who was the person in the Roman empire who was raising their hand going, guys, like this is about to fall apart. Like we need to, we need to dial it back. Like was there a person who was doing that? Because I feel like you're that person to I'm that person today, and I feel very (laughs) alone in this statement. So I'm thrilled to at least have you, but I'm not thrilled to be the one raising the red flag because this is a bad situation. We need to dial back government. We need to bring in more individual rights and responsibility. We need more free market tenants. We need it immediately because if this keeps moving in the direction that it's moving, like you said, we're, we're we're living with a house of cards. We kind of all know it, but you know. The wind is blowing towards that house of cards and you know one little gust and it all comes crashing
4: uh, Carol, I have to tell you, with all due respect to you and I, I find it disheartening that it's you and me. I, I, th- <laughs> this should be a legion of people screaming about this stuff, and no one cares. I, I see half—forget half, eighty, 80, 90 percent of the Republicans. Oh, let's let's just print some more stimulus checks. I'm I'm I'm, I'm stunned, but, but whatever. It's, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's buy a bunch of gold coins or something. C-
5: c- fiscal conservatism. You have to put that on the back of a milk carton because it's missing. We don't know where it is. We need to find it. And we need some people uh, with the courage because it's not like they, they lack the knowledge. It's they lack the courage to stand up for what's right. And we're all going to end up paying the price.
4: Thanks for what you do. Carol Roth, nobody does it better. Appreciate you, ma'am. All right. We have. A, you know what? That was dark. But it was honest. I got a little dog video for you to make you feel better. Hang on. All right. I hope you enjoyed that VP debate tonight. Tonight. Last night. Shut up. Look, I had a long night. I was up all night doing the post-debate show. Either way, I hope you enjoyed yourself. And next week, when they have the presidential debate, remember, and I'll remind you, enjoy yourself. This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. Relax. You'll all be all right. Enjoy this picture of a dog motoring his owner, owner along.
3: He's right
0: here.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I enjoyed it. All right, I'll see you. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man, I don't need any help, I'm just gonna quit cold turkey, and I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch, that didn't work, gum, sunflower seeds, I I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free, and I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Burden and bringing stability the foundation helps gold star and fallen first responder families as well as our nation's most catastrophically injured heroes and homeless veterans join tunnel to towers on its mission to do good 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs donate 11 dollars a month to tunnel to towers at t2t.org that's t the number 2t.org never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us
1: more details an official message from medicare a new law is helping me
4: save more money on prescription drug costs maybe you can save too with medicare's extra help program my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low who should apply single people making less than twenty three thousand dollars a year or married couples who make less than thirty one thousand dollars a year even if you don't think you qualify it pays to find out
1: go to ssa.gov extrahelp extra help Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and
3: Human Services.
1: Here are fascinating animal stories to explore wildlife across the globe in season three of Amazing Wildlife. Starting March 15th, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.